created live on Fireside. Welcome. I'm Lori Lee Binstock, and this is a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast. Thank you so, so much for joining me live on Fireside Chat, where you can be a part of the conversation as my virtual audience. I am your host, Lori Lee Binstock. Everyone here has an opportunity to ask me or our guest questions by requesting to hop on stage. Today's guest is Teresa Bruni. Teresa is the healer and founder of Less Fear, More Flow. She is an internet number one international best-selling author and speaker. She lives life from her heart and is an innate teacher who believes that our thoughts are our only limit. Teresa holds many certifications, including being a certified professional coach, an Certified Energy Leadership Index Master Practitioner, Site K Preferred Facilitator, Per K Catalyst, Heart Math Certified Practitioner, and Muscle Testing Master. Teresa, there is just thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Lori. Well, you know, I see I, I today's show is talking about healing energy to heal illness. But you're not just an energy healer. Um, so can you talk, I, just looking at your, your certifications, can you talk about some of them, including Psych K, Preferred Facilitator, Per K Catalyst, HeartMath? I'm, I've never heard of these, so I would love to know a little bit more about them. Sure. I'd love to tell you and your audience about them. Um, first, the Energy uh, Leadership Index Assessment is an assessment that doesn't show us who we are like so many other of the assessments do. It shows us how we're being, how we're reacting and responding to the world around us. And that allows me to see where my client's stress is coming from. So that's a great starting point. And it actually can catapult our work together uh, about three months. Um, you know, it can catapult us forward because it gives us so much information in regard to where the stress is coming from in their in their life. Um, I discovered Sai K about eight years ago, and uh, it's a quick and effective, non-evasive way to shift limiting subconscious beliefs. And I knew after all that I had been through, and you and I have spoken before, Lori Lee, so you know I am a I am a trauma survivor, and after all the work that I had done to get well, I knew there was still a piece missing. And Psyche was that missing piece. Um, when a person has been traumatized, they have very deep-seated limiting beliefs that will hold them back. And that's why affirmations and vision boards and all the techniques that, that work for the average person will not work for the tra trauma survivor. Um, I became certified in heart math because it's just a beautiful technique that allows us to connect uh, through our heart. And what research has told us in, in recent years is that the heart sends more signals 
to the brain than the other way around. So we've been told for years that our brain controls everything. And we're learning every day that this is not true at all. Our heart literally holds answers for us. So when I can take a client uh, into some heart-centered breathing, we can get some answers that we normally would not have access to. You know, that's really interesting because, you know, when I was in treatment for my trauma, um, I did neurofeedback and you could, you can actually physically see what was happening when I was taking deep breaths. You saw how my anxiety or my, um, I guess that's what they would call my anxiety levels were higher when I wasn't conscious about my breathing. And, you know, we did some exercises to help lower that anxiety. So you you can actually... It, it was like, that was the first time I was like, breathing actually works. Uh, you know, when I tell my children yeah. when they're throwing a fit, I'm like, just take some deep breaths. And I know that can be annoying, just like, oh, calm down. But when I actually saw that on the computer screen, like my breathing is actually lowering my stress levels. Um, so that is extremely important. Um, yes, it's it's it's. You're spot on with what you're saying. So uh, two things here. When you're when you are suffering from anxiety or you're stressed just in general, it which, you know, traffic can stress us. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a, a long line at the, at the grocery store can stress us. Um, your breathing becomes shallow. That's part of the fight or flight response. So in order to reduce that anxiety or reduce that stress level, um, deep breathing can help a lot. Yeah, I saw it firsthand. And I liked what you talked about with energy, healing leadership, index, master practitioner. And, and how is it that you can actually see or understand a person's reactivity because I know as a as a trauma survivor and speaking to other trauma survivors they can be extremely reactive and I'm assuming that's their fight or flight response kind of jumping in there yes so what we know is uh, when a person has been traumatized unless they have dealt with the trauma um, they get stuck in fight or flight so they're going to be extremely reactive. They're going to be living life on the edge, constantly on edge, constantly feeling under threat. And prior to me healing my traumas, one thing that I noticed about myself is that my shoulders were always curled forward because I was always waiting for that attack from behind. And um, so with energy leadership, uh, there are seven levels of energy and level one is victim mentality and level seven is what I call God consciousness or universal consciousness or Christ consciousness, you know, whatever your belief system happens to be. The lower levels of energy, we call those catabolic. And so they are very draining and they keep us in fight or flight and they shut down our immune system. This is why people who have been traumatized or people who have been under stress for an extended period of time eventually become chronically ill. 
when we learn how to recognize, first recognize that and then step into the higher levels, and those would be levels three through seven, we can then turn off the fight or flight response and start controlling what's happening around us and how we perceive and react and respond to the world, which in turn changes the results that we get. And it also turns on our immune system. And, you know, you and I talked about this before, you know, you and I both being trauma survivors. Being a trauma survivor kind of pushed you to become a healer, correct? Yes, it did. Could you explain to me what, can you talk to our audience about what what happened to you that eventually led you to become a healer? Yes, I would love to share my story. I like to start from the middle. So um, it was in the late 1980s, and I was going through a painful divorce. um, And I was trying to establish myself uh, in a corporate career. And I was under a lot of stress. I became chronically ill. And the doctors, you know, couldn't find anything wrong with me at first. (laughs) It took me two years to get a diagnosis. I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia, which is, which I know today is atypical for, for a trauma survivor. (laughs) So if, if anyone has, uh, fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome, um, you know, I highly recommend that you examine some traumas that may have occurred in your life. So consequently, I ended up on disability. Uh, Seven years into that healing journey, I realized that the medical community did not have answers for me. All they had were medications to mask my symptoms, and that wasn't working. So I set out to find my own way back to, to full health because I knew one thing for sure. I wanted to get well. So in an effort to fast track the story, what I learned was I had to deal with all of my traumas. And my traumas started early on at the age of two and went through to about the age of 13, um, which then led me into an abusive marriage. So all of that just built up to the point where my body said, I can't take anymore. You're going to have to deal with this stuff or I'm not going to cooperate. And um, so then when I recovered and I went back to work full time, um, I wanted to give back and teach people what I had learned about healing, what I had learned about the body and the signals that the body sends you, why we really get sick, which Western medicine doesn't really do a good job of addressing. And um, when I first went back to work, there were no such things as life coaches. Um, And so I went back into technology. And then fast forwarding to 2012, I started this healing practice. It's interesting that you said, no, I, these medications that are masking what's happening, you said that no more. I think I feel like a lot of people are like, okay, the doctors told me that this is what I need to get better. And then, you know, end of story. 
what made you really question what was being told to you about healing? Because no one really talked about like healing trauma and healing wounds. Where did you, where did you, what were your resources at that time? Okay. So, so let me answer the first question. Um, what happened was I literally had a meltdown and my boyfriend at the time said to me, I was on the floor crying and, and my boyfriend said to me, you've got to get off those drugs. They are changing your personality. This is not you. And I stopped and I thought about that. And I said, you know what? He's right. I don't fall onto the floor and cry. <laughs> this is definitely not me. And, and that was my epiphany. And that's when I decided that I needed to take a good hard look at how my health was being managed. Um, now, as far as finding answers, that's the fascinating part. It seemed that most of it came from within me. And so just by coincidence, I started practicing mirror work. Uh, if the audience is not familiar with that, it's you just grab a mirror and look yourself in the eyes and start having start having a conversation with yourself. And when I began that work, it was very challenging and it was very painful, but it was also incredibly healing. I started to visualize. I, I started dreaming about what would my life be like if I was well again? And I have to tell you, anyone who's listening who is chronically ill, you'll relate to this. When you wake up every day for nine years chronically ill, you forget what it feels like to be well. So, you know, common sense just said to me, let's imagine what it would feel like to be well again. And so I started developing all of these routines. I also um, took the best of what Western medicine had to offer me. And my doctors did put me in physical therapy. So that helped me to regain my physical strength. I worked with a nutritionist. Um, uh, you know, I did, I did everything and anything that might help and not hurt to get better. So then um, about 10 years later, my cousin introduces me to Louise Hay's book, You Can Heal Your Life. And Louise healed herself from breast cancer. I'm reading the book and she's talking about mirror work and she's talking about visualization. And I'm going, wait a minute, I developed these things 10 years ago, you know? <laughs> so, um, so what that told me, it was clear that we all have this innate knowledge our bodies will tell us what they need if we just tune in and, and listen. Incredible. You know, it's it, what you said about when you've woken up for however many years feeling so unwell, you forget what it is like to be well. Um, and I think a lot of people who have experienced trauma feel that way. And I think that's another reason why it's hard for them to push through to, to get the healing because most of the time they're given medication to mask it. Um, and which I'm not knocking medication. I'm not saying that medication is, is, is bad because for me, especially 
it, it helped put out some fires first. Um, like I, I was on antidepressants um, before I, and it, during my healing process, and then I was able to get off of those medications. Um, but, you know, it is hard to, to envision something past um, what you've experienced for a long time. So I, I think that is amazing that you, you talk about the mirror um, and the work that you did. And in, in just reading the books that you needed to read to, to have this understanding, you, you're also an energy healer among the many other modalities that you, you practice. Uh, can you yes. talk about what is an energy healer? Okay. First, I'd like to just step back for one second and talk about the pharmaceuticals because you are absolutely correct. There are times when pharmaceuticals uh, will, what I call, level the playing field. So for instance, if someone is in chronic pain, chronic pain is incredibly debilitating. I know this firsthand. Mm. Um, so before we can do any work at all, we need to level up the playing field and some painkillers will come in <laughs> very handy. And also, you know, pharmaceuticals for depression and some of the other um, things that trauma can cause. So I am not anti-pharmaceutical. Uh, um, I think they, they, there's a time and a place for them, but our ultimate goal is to get your body to the point where you no longer need to take those medications. Mm -hmm. So I just wanna be clear about that. And anyone who's considering coming off of their medications, make sure you do your research because oftentimes, um, you know, we can't just stop taking our medications. Uh, we have to do a, a slow withdrawal. So do your research, speak to your doctor. If you want to get off your medications, please do it the right way. Now, as far as energy healing goes, there are all types of energy healing. Uh, most people are familiar with Reiki practitioners. Um, there are intuitive, uh, medical intuitives. That's a type of energy um, healer because they're reading the energy that your body is putting out. Um, the energy healing that I do, I use several modalities. So of course, the first one is the energy leadership index assessment, because that tells me where your energy levels are. And, and when I say energy levels in relationship to energy leadership, I'm talking about emotional energy as well as physical energy, because when your emotional energy is low, your physical energy is also low. And we all know this, you know, if we lose a pet or we, we lose a loved one and we're crying uh, and we're grieving, we know that our energy, our physical energy level is also low. When we're joyful and happy, we want to do things, we want to go places, we want to be with people. So our emotional energy and our physical energy are very high. So that's the first type of energy healing that I do. Um, I'm also highly intuitive. So I can sense a person's energy. And I have other energy tools that I use. I do aura scans 
and um, I do other types of energy scans in, in my work. Interesting. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, the, the energy scans. The, how, how does that work? Uh, basically, I have a device and um, uh, I just key in some information on the client. And <laughs> I know this is going to sound like impossible, but I simply push a button and it does a reading and it gives us information. Um, 99% of my clients are blown away by the accuracy of this type of energy reading. What we need to remember is that uh, energy has no limits. So um, anyone who's familiar with Reiki, for example, you know you can have a, a remote Reiki session. It doesn't have to be in person. So energy has no limits. It has no bounds. You, you, can, you can send or receive energy from anywhere. Are these like vibrations, right? Is that... Is, yes. Is, yes. Okay. That, yes. Okay. Oh, you, you can go ahead. No, I'm really fascinated by this. Yeah. Um, uh, I really don't know what else to say. What other questions <laughs> do oh, you have? Yeah. Well, I'm For just me, thinking... it's like second nature. So. Oh, yes. Well, I, yeah, I, I think, and I guess when you're saying like, oh, I, I get this vibe from somebody, it's basically like getting somebody else's energy, but this is something these vibes can be read on a device such as what you were just discussing, but also, and I guess I'm, I'm thinking like neurofeedback when you know what kind of getting my information. <laughs> yeah. Lori Lee, you explained it better than I did. <laughs> you're exactly, <laughs> you're exactly right. It's, it's kind of like when you, you know, when you walk past that person and you go, Oh, I don't think I want to be near that person. Um, you're feeling energy. You're reading energy. We all have the ability to do that. Some of us are just more sensitive, more practiced than others. And, you know, typically trauma survivors are incredibly sensitive people. Yeah, they're, they're, they're really empaths, right? And I think I was reading this somewhere where trauma survivors are because they always had to key into their environment because they were always you know, I guess in fight or flight mode, like, do I need to be worried right now that they, that they have this innate ability to kind of key into other people's vibes to, for their own safety? Yes and no. It depends upon um, the extent of the trauma and how much healing they have done. So let's take, uh, let's take a child, uh, for example. Um, Let's take a four-year-old. A four-year-old looks at his, his or her parents as gods. You know, they are the end-all, be-all. And all a four-year-old wants is love and acceptance and to be like these gods. And when, when those parents treat the child inappropriately, all of a sudden the brain is getting mixed signals and the brain is saying, wait a second, something's not right here. These people are supposed to love me. And because a four-year-old does not have the mental capacity to make sense over what's coming through and what's happening, they then begin to think, okay, this is normal. 
you know, it must be me, all these thoughts that are not correct start going through the child's head. And that results in, in the traumatic experience and even more traumatic experiences as time goes on. Um, it, you know, empaths, if you don't know you're an empath, um, empaths are like magnets for narcissists. <laughs> so, so if you don't know you're an empath, you're probably, you know, being traumatized, um, and you don't even know it, uh, because you attract these people. They, they're, they just sense you like a dog senses a bone and, and they're all over you. That's fascinating. Yes. I've, I've had some narcissists in my life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, you, you, we did talk about healing, um, illnesses. Uh, can we talk about the connection between mindset and physical health? Absolutely. So mindset is really the key to everything. If I hadn't been the stubborn person that I am (laughs) (laughs) when I had that little meltdown and, you know, like a two-year-old, I put my foot down and said, I don't want to live like this anymore. Um, And so I made up my mind that I was going to get well. So mindset plays an essential role in our healing process. You can take two people who have the exact same illness. Maybe they're even related. Maybe they're sisters or brothers. And um, they're, they're getting the exact same treatments. And one survives and gets well. And the other one doesn't. So what's the difference? The difference is mindset. If you believe that your body can heal, it will. And this is this is another big pet peeve of mine with medical science. And this is something that people, anyone who's chronically ill, needs to be aware of. Medical science is just that. It is a science. And when a doctor tells you your chances of recovery are X or people with your condition never get better. All of those things are based upon statistics. Okay. And I love to tell my clients when the doctor tells you there is no cure, it's just because they haven't found one yet. Mm -hmm. It's not because there is no cure. I mean, a hundred years ago, we didn't even have antibiotics. So, you know, your great grandparents died from things that today can be cured with a simple course of antibiotics. So just know that medical science is a science and um, there are all kinds of studies on mindset and the power of the mind to heal the body. That's what I used with all of the visualizations that I had, I mentioned one, I mentioned the, the um, I would visualize what my life would be like when I got well, but I also had a lot of other visualizations that I did on a regular basis. And all of those play into mindset. You know, that's, that's really interesting when I think about the Johns Hopkins study, 
where they on, with on psychedelics with the people who had cancer um, and most of these people who had terminal cancer they just kind of resigned themselves to i have stage four cancer it's done i'm you know and became really depressed about it and kind of just settled with that information that they got um but then when they did the psychedelic um work and they were they were able to see that there was so much more than just dying that they were able to basically find a cure or 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 are in remission now because of just that mindset, that change. And I, and, and I, I don't know what kind of work you've done with psychedelics um, or what your, what your thoughts are about on psychedelics. But I found that to be really profound because it was, they were able to change the way they looked at themselves and their place in the world. And they were able to heal in that capacity to the point where they, they, they were in remission. Um, What are your thoughts about that? Well, I'm not familiar with that study and I would love if you would share that with me. Um, uh, But I believe it. I completely believe it because um, well, there's a, there's a book that I'll recommend to the audience. It's called Cured. And it's by Dr. Jeffrey Redinger. And uh, this is a medical doctor that spent 20 years following people who had terminal conditions, who put them into remission. So the book is fascinating. So that's, that's why, uh, you know, if your doctor tells you that you're never going to get well, go see another doctor <laughs> or try an energy healer or try a psychedelic, you know, if you read the study and just make sure that you don't do anything that's going to make you worse. Um, But there's so much out there for us that we just don't get to to learn about in our society because it's poo-pooed. It's called woo-woo and Mm -hmm. it doesn't work. And we've got this whole thing with Western medicine that it has to be peer reviewed And so just know that when you go to your doctor, uh, typically they cannot tell you uh, about, you know, treatments that are not peer reviewed. So back to your question, I believe it, you know, I, I, it's all about what you, it's all about what you believe. You, and you talk about reclaiming your health. Is that... Can you talk a little bit about how do you really reclaim your health? Well, the first step is making up your mind that you want to reclaim your health because there are always secondary gains. And so when a person is on disability like I was, there were a lot of benefits to that life. Uh, I was getting a check from the government. I didn't have to go to my corporate job. Um, I, my medical care was taken care of. My medical expenses were taken care of. Uh, people would feel sorry for me and do things for me. Basically it gave me the ability to cop out on life. And, um, and some days that was pretty nice, 
But again, I knew I didn't want to live the rest of my life that way. So the first step is making up your mind that you want to get well. Next, it's realizing that healing requires a well-rounded approach. As I mentioned before, um, my doctors, I was lucky enough that um, uh, I was being treated at a medical school. So they were always trying new things. So after I got off the drugs, um, they did start a physical therapy and I was able to re-strengthen my body. My body had become pretty weak after nine years. Um, nutrition. I saw a nutritionist. I changed my diet. I cut out sugar. I cut out alcohol. I gave up caffeine. Basically, I was willing to do anything that might help and not hurt. Uh, breathing. You, you talked about deep breathing earlier. That's a major key because uh, we need to get the oxygen to the cells in order for the cells to heal. And again, a big component is that mindset, believing that you can get well, believing, believing that your body has the ability to heal. Wow. And I think, and that does take a lot. Do you, what are your suggestions? I, I know we discussed affirmation. I know you, we talked about breathing um, and meditation, I would assume, mm -hmm. would, would help us get to that point. Um, you, you also talk about conscious energy. Would that be, would affirmations be a part of that? Well, um, conscious energy falls right into the energy leadership. So when you become conscious of your energy levels, you have the power to change them. And so again, I'll use the example of losing a pet. Any Anyone who has ever had gone through the loss of a pet, we know how painful that is. We all have a choice on how long we decide to stay there. Some people and I did a YouTube video on this not long ago about grief. Some people, especially when it comes to the loss of a loved one, they never stop grieving. And, and grief is a very low-lying emotion. When you're in grief, you're in fight or flight. Your immune system is shut down and um, you don't have the ability to heal. You're actually doing damage to your body. So you will end up chronically ill if you're not conscious of the energy that you're putting out. Does that help? Yes, absolutely. I think, yeah. you know, when I'm, let's say, I guess when I'm depressed, there are, I, there have been times where I've been depressed and I've, I'm like, I just want to lay in bed and I don't want to mm -hmm. do anything and I will just sit in my depression forever. <laughs> but I needed, and, and honestly, and this didn't happen until after treatment, where I said, I am going to get out of bed and I'm going to do the things that I need to get out of this funk that I'm in. I'm going to go for a walk outside. I'm going to just, even just as something as simple as take a shower, um, that can make some shifts in my energy. And I, and so I, I absolutely get being conscious about that and then making a conscious effort to reclaim that and, and do the things that I need to do. Yeah. So thanks. That's, that's great because um, I want to make sure 
to mention that all of these energy levels that I spoke of, levels one, which is victim mentality, through seven, which is where we go when we meditate or pray, we are, as humans, we are here to experience all of these energy levels. So grieving and being depressed, it's not bad or wrong. It just is. And so, you know, I will say to my clients, hey, if you if you are depressed one day and you want to throw yourself on the couch and and throw a blanket over your head and watch movies, it's okay. <laughs> but we need to monitor how long, you know, one day, if it, if it goes on longer than one day, we need to take a good hard look at what's going on because we don't want you stuck there. We want you to be able to get up and do all the things that you just mentioned. Take a shower. You know, that's a perfect example. Um, there was, uh, when I was chronically ill, I had gotten some sort of flu or virus on top of everything else I had going on. Mm. And I went to my, my um, general practitioner. Uh, he was a great doctor. He, was, he had so much empathy and he helped me to manage all these other medical professionals that I had. And he, when he saw me, he took a double take. And he said, oh, my God, you're green under the under the gills. And I had no makeup on that day. And I said to him, now you know why I put makeup on, because it helps to disguise how horribly sick I look. <laughs> and, mm. and so that when I look in the mirror, I feel better about myself. And so I recommend, you know, get up, take that shower, get out of those sweatpants. Put a little makeup on or, or ladies, a little concealer under your eyes, you know, maybe a little mascara so that when you look in the mirror, you look better to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to touch on really quickly, you are a number one international bestseller of the Resilience Journal. Can you talk a little bit about that and why, why you wanted to put this out there? So the Resilience Journal was inspired by the pandemic and knowing what I know about energy, I knew that all this fear and isolation that people were under would eventually break down the body and open them up to catching the virus or being susceptible to other types of illnesses. And uh, so it was, <laughs> it happened very quickly and it was published in um, April of 2020. And the, the subtitle is Transcending Turbulent Times Through Journaling. Um, Anne Frank uh, was a Holocaust survivor as a child. Mm -hmm. uh, well, you know, eventually she did lose her life, but um, uh, it, the book was really inspired by Anne Frank. Uh, she called the journal, her journal, her friend. And um, in the Resilience Journal, there's one page that has eight activities for a person to do when they're transcending a turbulent time. That could be, hopefully we're done with this whole pandemic thing. I think we all have our fingers crossed that it's, <laughs> it's yeah. finally coming to an end. But a turbulent time could be the loss of a child, a chronic health condition. I mean, life is just turbulent. 
that's mm -hmm. going to happen. So there are eight exercises on the first page to help to keep you balanced, um, such as getting fresh air and exercise and maybe reaching out to a friend. And, and then the other pages are to sit down and journal your, your deepest thoughts. And uh, because oftentimes when we sit down with pen and paper, our mind will reveal things to us that otherwise wouldn't come to the surface. Right. There's a lot of power in journaling, just getting yes, there it out is. there. Um, mm -hmm. So that that's amazing. Is is there anything else that you would like to add before before we go? Well, my whole um, my sole purpose in this life is to give people hope. So um, no matter how, how much trauma you have been through or how sick and depleted your body might be, or maybe your spirit is depleted and maybe you do just want to leave this world because it just feels like it's too much know that there are people out there who have overcome these challenges and we're here to help you and you can overcome these challenges too. Wow. Very well said. Thank you so much, Teresa, for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Lori Lee, it was my pleasure. I'm so glad that you and I were able to meet and share our trauma stories and I look forward to um, uh, more conversations in the future. I do as well. Thank you again so much. That was Teresa Bruni, best-selling, international best-selling author, speaker, and founder of Fear Less Fear, More Flow. And for more on Teresa, you can actually go to that fortune cookie there. There's her website, or you can visit my website at atstpodcast.com. That's the letter A, tstpodcast.com. She will be contributing to April's issue of Authentic Insider, which you can find at my website. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to my email list to get Authentic Insider magazine in your inbox monthly. You can join us next Thursday when we go live on Fireside with best-selling author Julie Kanzer, author of Don't Just Sit There, Do Nothing. You've been listening to a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast on Fireside. I'm Lori Lee Binstock. Thank you so much for being a part of the conversation. Take care. <laughs>